Well, good morning, everyone. To those of you here at the Museum of Discovery and Science, to those of you watching online, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. Thank you to Emily for about the best announcements we've ever had here in the history of Downtown Harbor Church. Whoever does them, they should get rid of those individuals and just bring her up the uh, ranks here at the DHC. So thank you, Emily, for all you're doing. We are wrapping up our series that we've been in the last four weeks, which has really been an interesting series if you've been following along as we've been having this conversation called More Than a Name, where we've been looking at some of these really impactful people that Jesus interacts with in these scriptures, in the Bible, who were not identified by name. And I think what John has done in the the last three weeks has been interesting and impactful and really kind of revolutionary because some of these folks I've never really thought about before in these ways. So I want to get into today and I want to talk to you about who we're going to talk about today as we close more than a name. But I want to just give you a little bit of a warning in advance that today is probably going to be powerful for you wherever you're at in your faith journey. Today is going to crack us open. It's going to allow us to reflect. It's going to allow us to look at our life differently. It's going to allow us to kind of take inventory of right where we're at spiritually in our city living right here today in 2023. So before we pick up in the Bible today, which we're going to start in Matthew, I just want to talk about what Jesus was doing so I can set the scene for what he was doing as he interacted with the folks that he interacted with here today. Jesus was actually in the middle of teaching about multiple things before these no-named folks came up to him, and he was right in the middle of talking about divorce. Now, this was interesting because divorce is one of those things that culture in 2023 has pretty much normalized, right? Maybe you've been through one, maybe you've been through a couple, maybe you've been through four or five, like folks on reality television, and maybe that's where you're at, and, or, or, or maybe it's just maybe your parents went through it, or maybe people, maybe you're going through it right now, right, where you're at. And, and it's one of those things that has just been normalized by culture to the point of, yeah, we just kind of go, ah, there, there's another one bites the dust, and we're okay with it. Right? But Jesus, interestingly enough, right before the scripture that I'm going to talk about today, had some pretty harsh words for divorce. In fact, he didn't uh, kind of mince any words as he talked about it. So if one of the things we like to do at DHC is say, hey, after you leave here, it might be good to go kind of look that up and have a, a, a further study at home. You should, might want to go back and look at what he said about divorce because, man, was it interesting. But right after he was teaching about divorce, something happened. And right after this moment, some children approached him. So I want to stop for a second and I want to talk about children because the children that we're going to talk about today are the unnamed people in the Bible that Jesus interacted with. And he just didn't interact with them in this particular scenario. He interacted with children a lot and he had a lot of words for us about children and what that looks like. Today is going to be very powerful as we look at what this idea of Jesus telling us about children was in our lives. So before we start, here's a question. How many people in the room are parents? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're a parent. Let me just see. Keep up for a second. Okay, so uh, again, much like the first service, about 50% of our room. Now, you don't have to be a parent to understand this message. In fact, it's not going to make it more impactful for you one way or the other. But being a parent just allows us to have a, an interesting perspective So, what we're going to talk about today. Because I became a parent a number of years ago, but I actually had worked with kids and teenagers inside of local churches for about almost 20 years before I became a parent. So I had a lot of experience working with kids, but none with a kid living in my home. And now that that has changed, uh, my perspective perspective has tweaked a little bit on this issue. So 
I want to show you a picture real quick. So this is me and Libby. So this is my little girl. And this is, so let me just give you a, a piece of free advice. Actually, it's not free, but the advice is free. So when you are on a cruise ship, get the photo pass. It's one of my favorite things to do on a cruise ship, like unlimited for like a hundred bucks, like all week long. And we take family pictures and get cute photos on cruises. Like that's just what we do. And Libby loves it. I love it. Like, and then I'll pull like things out of the gift shop and like put them in the pictures as props because you can take as many as you want. So that's what, just a free tip piece of advice today. Um, so in the book of Matthew chapter 19, this is what was happening as Jesus was kind of had a crowd and they were gathering and he was doing teaching as he tended to do. This is what I find to be so uh, impactful. So let's take a look at it together today. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But in this moment, the disciples rebuked them. The disciples basically stopped, if you haven't heard that word rebuked in a while, said, send these kids away. The savior of the world, the Messiah is busy. We cannot have these kids bothering this man. Allow him to be, please, right? The disciples rebuked them, said, basically, get out of here. And then Jesus replied. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Let me read that last line again, because I think it's so important. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed, right, when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So the disciples basically said, hey, keep those kids away from this guy. He's got things to do. He's busy. He's got things to take care of. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Bring them to me. They are welcome with me. They are welcome here. And so as I wrote this message and I started to dive into this idea of kids and children and the thoughts about them, I started to think about what are the characteristics of children that are so interesting that many of us probably think about from a distance, but we don't think about regularly. What is it about kids? I, I just believe there's a couple of things to understand about children. Number one is this. Children are innocent, right? Children are innocent. Even if they're kind of uh, terrors around the house and they tear things up and they got a toy room and they're doing all that. At the end of the day, kids look through their, this lens into the world of going, man, everything's okay. Everything's going to be all right. I'm safe. It's, it, they have an innocent nature about them. Children are oftentimes also filled with wonder. I believe that this is one of the coolest things to understand about a kid that as they see the world and as they view the world, that they are filled with this idea of wonder and imagination and amazement. In fact, what happened a couple of days ago at our house was I had been traveling. I got home from Greenville, South Carolina on Thursday. And on Thursday, I got home around 3 o'clock, 3.30. And on Thursday, as I got home, Libby was there and she was ready to play. And she said, Daddy. I, I said, yes. And she goes, I got a secret to tell you. And I said, okay, what do you got? She goes, come with me. So we, we like went over to this corner of the house, like by the door that leads in from the garage. And I said, what's going on? She goes, in the garage, Darth Vader's in the garage. So I said, really? And then, so of course, like I went and we got her lightsaber and cause I spent 45 95 on that at Disney's Hollywood studios. So I figured out why not bring the lightsaber out. So I brought the lightsaber, figure get some use out of it. So we got the lightsaber, we went out in the garage and you know, we opened the door and, and I said, where's Darth Vader? And she said, he left, he knew we were coming. So I thought that that was just a really kind of interesting story that Libby experienced, but she's just filled with wonder. 
A lot of kids are. They're just filled with this amazement for the world. One of the other things Libby says I love is when she wakes up every single day, she goes, I am ready for today. It's going to be a great day. How many times have you an adult, as an adult said that recently? Man, I'm ready for today. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be an amazing day. You know what else that leads me to understand about kids is that they're not jaded by a broken world. They're not yet bitter. They're not sour about a world that is wrong to them. They're not mad at a relationship that had fallen apart. They're not angry about an employment condition that had ended. Maybe they've been fired. Maybe they left willingly, but they're still mad. They're not uh, bitter at other people who've abandoned them or left them yet. They're not jaded by the broken world. They're not yet angry and bitter thinking that the world should be a certain way and it isn't, so how do I function in it? My life didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Maybe that's you here today. And how do I get to that place? And if I can't get to that place, how will I go on? Why should I even have faith? Innocent, filled with wonder, not jaded by a broken world. These are children, these are kids. And isn't it interesting that Jesus said, no, bring them to me. But in the book of Luke, interestingly enough, there's another uh, a story about Jesus interacting uh, with a group of people and then people bring children to him. And he actually even takes this one a step further, which I find to be so unique. And here's what, here's what Luke chapter 18, 15 says. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked people. Get out of here. Get, you think children or something? Get the babies out of here. This guy does not have time for this. He does not have time to engage with these particularly infants. Get them out of here. Goes on. He says, but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Yes, and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then set it up before you put it on the screen. Stay with me. Then he says, one of the most, in my opinion, important verses in the entire Bible. We could sit around and have a little cup of coffee and debate the importance of verses, and I'm not here to do that, but I'm telling you, at least in my life, as I've understood things about the Christian faith, and as I've understood things about the world, and as I've understood things about culture, and as I've grown up as an adult, this one particular verse impacts me, and I hope it impacts you, maybe more than any I've heard, and here it is. Luke 18, 17, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus, these are uneducated, unemployed, like unstrategic beings. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about anyone who uh, doesn't uh, receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it? What, in the, what, do you, what do you mean? And I just believe that he means this. Let's put some layman's terms on this. Let's bring it into 2023 level. Here's what I think it means. Unless you have a childlike faith, you truly do not have faith. That's what he's saying. Those are not my words. Those are his. Now, you can have some educated faith. You can have some scientific faith. You can have some theological faith. I'm not saying those faiths are bad. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, Jesus says, unless you have faith like a child, you don't truly enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And so I start, started to ask myself, what does childlike faith look like? Because I've heard this before, but I don't know that I've ever really dove deep into the topic. I don't know that I've ever really dove deep into this idea of childlike faith. I just believe that childlike faith looks a lot like innocent faith. We've used that word innocent to describe a child. Here's some of the things that I believe about innocent faith. Innocent faith is unique and so few of us have it. Why? Because we're not innocent. We're not filled with wonder. And we are jaded by a broken world. You look at your life, a lot of us have experienced a lot of things that have made us not like a child. But innocent faith doesn't ask questions like these. Here's what innocent faith does. Innocent faith takes faith for its word. It takes the Bible for its text. takes Jesus at its word. Innocent faith doesn't ask these questions. Hey, have we investigated this? How many times have you heard that one in your faith journey? And by the way, I'm not saying investigating the history of the Christian faith is bad. I'm not saying theology is bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying what Jesus said. So if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you will come and enter it like a child. I'm not saying those things are bad. But what I am saying is, is that a lot of us stop and go back and say, is this historically possible and accurate? And where's the facts to back it up? Have we investigated this? A lot of us ask those questions. In fact, I've been asked those questions a lot in my local church journey in history as people have thought about their faith and unpacked their faith. Here's another question. Shouldn't we compare this with science? I'm not, I'm not saying science is bad. I think science is a good thing. I learn a lot from science and I think science can teach us a lot. All I'm saying is, is that many of us are hung up on this particular issue and we ask this question a lot and we're missing the point because it doesn't um, compete with or we don't understand all of the scientific things surrounding faith and we don't enter into the kingdom of heaven because we're comparing it with science all the time. Here's another question. Didn't the earth have to be created 6,000 years ago for this to be true? I would tell you, in my history inside of local churches, if I've interact, as I've interacted with people theologically, as I've sat down with people and had conversations, this might be the number one question that I get about faith. It's not it's Jesus who he said that he was. It's not something theological about the Bible. It's, it's this one that people can't wrap their mind around. Didn't the earth have to be created 6,000 years ago for this to be true? Here's, here's what I'll tell you. Because a lot of people ask me, if you think some guy at the Museum of Discovery in Science wearing a shirt with pink fish on it is going to answer that question for you in this movie theater and that is what your faith is contingent on, we got to have a different conversation. Because I don't know. Like, right? I mean, I can, I can dig deep, but here's what I'm doing. If I'm doing all that, I'm missing the childlike faith. Innocent faith doesn't have to ask these questions. And that's the point. Jesus said, no, 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 bring them here. Bring those kids to me and they will enter the kingdom of heaven. Be like them. Have childlike faith in all things. Okay, great. Thanks for that tip. I understand this, but even though it, that's cool and good and I understand that I'm dealing with real 
life adult things. I would love to look at things as a child, but I don't have that luxury in my life. Well, let's talk about some of them. Let's talk about what a childlike faith response might look like. So here are some things adults deal with related to faith. Ready? With childlike responses. Because truly at the end of the day, and I don't want you to miss this, a childlike faith is really taking the Bible at face value. That's really what a childlike faith is. Going, okay, it's really taking the Bible at face value and going, I believe what Jesus told me to do and how he instructed me to live. I believe it. So let's talk about some of these things that real adults deal with day in and day out. Ready? My marriage is failing. I have heard this way more times than I am comfortable hearing it. I see it all the time. My marriage is failing. My relationship has failed and I don't know what to do. In fact, I'm giving up. Here's a childlike faith response to that. We said we would love each other until death do us part. Well, you did. What happened? I mean, this is the childlike response because a childlike response is, you said you would. Try telling a kid, try changing your mind on a kid and thinking they won't remember. Like that's one of the things I had to learn the hard way. Like that Libby wouldn't remember if I told her if she cooperated, I'd give her a piece of candy. And then six hours later, she goes, dad, remember, told me to give me a piece of candy. And it's bedtime. To which I get the evil eye from my wife. Then why did you tell her to give her a piece of candy? I said, well, I was trying to get her to do something. I thought she'd forget. She doesn't forget. We, we, you, you said you'd do this. Because we just say around here at Downtown Harbor Church a lot that love is a choice. That love is really not an emotion. Love is a choice to love someone and give yourself to someone. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. 1 Peter 3, 7. My marriage is failing. What am I going to do? Childlike faith responses. Hey, you said that you'd love each other. What happened? And you know what? A lot of us have dealt with that because relationships are hard. Those are real life issues with a childlike faith response. Issues can be worked on should we choose to work on them. Here's the second one I get a lot. I lost my job. What am I going to do? Real adult issues. You there today? I lost my job. What am I going to do? We just bought a house. I have a couple of kids at home. What am I going to do? I lost my job. What am I going to do? Here's the childlike faith response. Get another one. Get another job. I know this is hard. I know you were fired. I know you left under, un, you know, under circumstances that were not ideal. I understand that things were not good about this. However, at the end of the day, what choice do you have? What are you going to do? You gotta get, if you want to provide for your family, you got to get another one. Come on. Let's put one foot in front of the other. Let's go. Who knows what God's going to do through the next journey in your life? Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love this verse. It is a phenomenal representation for how a big miraculous God is working in ways that we do not even understand behind the scenes over and over again. Number three, adult issues. I have anxiety and mental health issues. Who doesn't? Number one. Number two, you got to really understand that these issues can be conquered and can be dealt with if we take it by the horns and figure it out. It absolutely can. I've seen people do it. Here's a childlike faith response to this. In the end, all will be okay as long as you have God. 
I remember the first time that my child told me some variation of this when we were having a bad day. And she said, Mom and Dad, it's all going to be okay. And I know that because God loves us. Childlike faith. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? We've got anxiety. We've got mental health stuff going on. Here's number four. This is an adult faith thing I've dealt with. Hey, I'm not sure Jesus is the only way. I'm not. I've seen other world religions. I, I've heard some things on Netflix. Like I've, you know, I've seen, I, I've, ta- I've heard some different people tell me these different theories. I'm not sure that Jesus is the only way. I, I just don't know if I believe that. I'm struggling with that. Let me tell you a childlike faith answer. He said he was. He said that he was. And he died and rose again to prove it. I'm with him. I, I don't know any other way to slice that. Like, listen, I've studied a lot about history. I've studied the Bible. I've studied a lot about scripture. I have yet to see an individual walk this earth, predict his own death and resurrection, and it happened. So you know what? Until further notice, I'm with that guy. I'm just with that guy. That's how I believe. And you know what? That's almost a childlike faith answer. Well, Adam, how did he defy the odds with death? What was it physically like? What was it physically like? How did it happen? Tell me the details on it. I don't know, but I'm with him. Because I don't, I can't, I don't know all the ins and outs of how that worked. But I do know this, most famous verse in the entire scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You've seen that before more than likely. So I started to think about all of these things, childlike faith, how Jesus said, hey, if you want to really inherit the kingdom of heaven, be like them. What are they like? They're innocent, filled with wonder, not jaded by a broken world. Some of you in this room, in fact, many of you in this room don't know me. You may have come to DHC or maybe you've come for a couple of times and you've met me outside as you've come in and listened to a message here and Some of you maybe do know me. Some of you have had a more detailed relationship. But I want to tell you about me for a second. So for a long time, I didn't want kids. I just didn't. I was filled with kind of selfish desires, and we were living in South Florida. What a town, by the way, what a town to live in if you're going to not have kids, right? Man, I mean, there's so much to do. You got the beach, you got the boating scene, you got the restaurant scene, you got the bar scene, you're traveling. This is the place to be. And then Libby changed my life. Libby was born January 1st of 2020, right as we were heading into a really fun season in life. And so I remember like being a parent of a newborn during that time. And I remember that this verse of, that Jesus was talking about was really the catalyst for me and Caitlin welcoming Libby into our home. And here's what it said in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12, his disciples, and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. The first shall be last. And the servant 
of all. And then he goes on and he says, he took a little child. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Let me go back. He said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Jesus, you're, you're telling me that if I embrace a kid or someone less than, someone who's not, uh, maybe where an adult is, that I'm welcoming not only them, but you, and not just you, but your Father in heaven who sent you? Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. That's how important this is. And I just believe that at the end of the day, adults, seasoned individuals in life, have so much to learn from children. So much to learn from children. Now, I'm not saying that they have it all put together. If you are a parent, you understand that they do not. However, there's so much that adults can learn. In fact, I have learned so much from her in the last three and a half years. I've learned so much from having a child. I've learned more from her about faith in the last three and a half years than I have in the last 22 years working in local churches, by far. So I thought, as we get ready to begin to close the message, I would share with you some things that she's taught me. I'm gonna call it Libby Quotes. And some of you are probably here and you're like annoyed that you gotta listen to this guy talk about his kid. Well, I hope that it's more detailed than that. I hope that I'm just one guy with a microphone sharing part of our experience. So I always say, Libby and I have a, a thing that I've tried to teach her about. And I'm always kind of say to her, hey, Libby, the reason we have to behave, the reason we have to, you know, function within the system here is because we are a part of society, okay? So I don't know if, uh, that's something I always say to Libby. Like, I don't know if you realize this, like, we are living in a society, okay? Like, so in a society... Uh, and I got a loud voice, so sometimes, like, Libby, uh, you know, she likes that, so I apologize if I hit a couple people hard in the fourth row. But, like, we're living in a society, Libby, so we have to, you know, act a certain way. And so I always, she'll always ask me, hey, Dad, don't you want to be a part of society? That's what she'll say to me. You know, Dad, we're living in a society, and so, and this is actually a funny line. I don't, any Seinfeld fans in the house? Okay, yeah, so big-time Seinfeld fan. I'm a big-time Seinfeld fan. There's this one episode where Jerry refuses to call his friend Alec Berg, who gave him hockey tickets, and refused to call and give him a day after thank you, to which Kramer says to Jerry, hey, Jerry, this is how society functions. Aren't you a part of society, Jerry? Because if you don't want to be a part of society, Jerry, and he says this line that I taught to my daughter. So take a look at the screen. Do you want to be a part of society? Because if you don't want to be a part of society, you can just get in your car and move to the east side. <laughs> move to the east side. I kind of feel that way about Fort Lauderdale, right? Like that, you know, so anyway, that's, that's a funny one, right? You know what else she says to me consistently? Hey, Dad, there will be joy in the morning. How many of you have said that recently? There's this song, we play some worship, and 
uh, Christian music around our house and in our car. Uh, not all the time. She's got a lot of other stuff she listens to, but we love this particular song that says, if it's not good, then he's not done. If it's not good, then he's not done with you yet. And then it goes, there will be joy in the morning. And Libby knows what that means, that there are times in our lives when things get bad and we get down and we're discouraged and life doesn't go the way that we want it to go. And she always tells me, dad, don't worry. There will be joy in the morning. Take a look. And so she learned this song and she always reminds us, even when things are bad, that, hey, when, we're, when we have faith, when we believe that Jesus is who he said that he was, that there will be joy in the morning. That when we know that God is with us and he's by our side, that things will be different for us each and every day when we get out of bed, when we put our feet on the ground, there will be joy in the morning. Childlike faith. When's the last time you on a bad day or a rough night have woken up and said, man, there'll be joy in the morning. And interestingly enough, Jesus called those kids over to him and said, they're your example right there, them. You want to see who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? Look at them. Use them as your example. Childlike faith. This past Easter we talked about the Easter story with Libby for the first time. She's heard it before when she was growing up one and two, but this was the first real year of understanding. And we went through some stuff with her. And she learned about it here at DHC. And then when she came home on Easter Sunday and even a couple of days before from school, and as she closed uh, our time together on that day, she told us something. She said to us, she said, hey, Jesus lives in my heart. And shame on me. Because you want to know what I said to Caitlin? Are we sure? She's three. I don't really think that she understands what this means yet. And then the next day, she was telling us about the Easter story again. And she's told us about it again and again and again since then. To where Jesus was beaten by a group of mean people. And they put the ouchie crown on his head. And then they put him on a cross where he died. And then, because I love the way she says it, I'm going to say it just like her. And then they put him in a big old tomb with a big rock. And then guess what? A couple of days later, he wasn't there anymore. And he wasn't dead. And he was gone. And now he lives in my heart. And my child explained that to me. And I said, are we sure? You know why I said that? Because I'm not innocent. I'm probably no longer filled with wonder. And I've been jaded by a broken world a world that has broken all of us, a world that has allowed us to be bitter and angry and resentful 
about the things that have happened to us in our lives because we are an adult and we're not a child. And Jesus said, stop looking at faith like an adult. You really want to enter the kingdom of heaven, look at it like a little child. Recently, we had friends of ours who had to put their dog down. Now, if you are an animal lover, like I am, we have a eight-year-old petite golden doodle. Her name is Dottie. But we recently had friends who had to put their pup down. And we had to explain it to Libby for the first time. And we said, hey, so this dog got um, older and he got sick. And the time came where we had to put him down. And we told Libby, and, and we know that this dog we hope is in heaven. That was our way of describing that to her. And you want to know what Libby said in response? Because it's something I'll never forget throughout my entire life. She said, well, that's super exciting. How cool that that super exciting moment happened for that dog. When's the last time you, let's take the human being route. When's the last time you looked at someone who, who passed away, particularly who was a follower of Jesus, and said, well, that's super exciting for that person. They actually get to go to a place that we use the word heaven to describe, to see God in all his glory, Jesus right there with followers of his who have gone before us. That is super exciting. There is not a person in this room who would say that, myself included, because we're not innocent. We're not filled with wonder. We've been jaded by a broken world. And Jesus says, everybody come here. You're, you're getting it wrong. You're missing it. You want to have an entrance into the kingdom of heaven? Have faith like those little children. They'll get in. And I believe that is metaphorically true for how we view the world and faith as we grow up and as our adults. So what's the practical? At Downtown Harbor Church, every word we put this word on the screen. Number one, I'm going to be quick here so I can get us out of here this morning, right? You've been telling me as I've been getting older, I've been speaking longer. I don't know if that's a compliment, right? WWACD, what would Jesus do expression? Here's the question. What would a child do? What if you started to look at circumstances in your life as you're an adult that happened to you that maybe aren't ideal and you go, how would a child react to this? What would a childlike faith look like? What would following after Jesus in every moment look like? What would a child do? Here's what I want you to know today. Because it's something that Libby says to me when she knows that we have had a rough day. Maybe some of you today are dealing with a failed marriage. Maybe you're doing with, dealing today with a faith that is not rock solid. Maybe you've lost your job and you don't know what's next. You want to know what Libby says to me? Sometimes when things are bad or she can tell there's a tense moment in our home, do you want to know what she says to me? Dad, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, Dad. 
And you want to know what she tells me after that? Because God's got us. I'm going to tell you the same thing. He's got you. That's childlike faith, understanding that even in the low moments, in the valleys, in the peaks, in the valleys, in the peaks, that he's got you and will never leave your side over and over again. A childlike faith is so key to the Christian journey. It's everything. When you understand how much this matters, all of a sudden we start to look at the world in a little bit of a different way. Think about how you view the world. Think about how you view human beings. You jaded? You negative? Of course you are. Because I am. Children aren't. They look at God with a sense of innocence, with a sense of wonder, not being jaded by a broken world. I'm with him. Childlike faith could be the key to everything. We just understand it and start living. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, we thank you. For who you are, we love you. Today, Jesus, we thank you for the, the moments in the scripture, the moments when you walked this earth, the moment when you taught, when you welcomed children and said, these are your example, be like them. Jesus, I just pray simply this morning that you would infect this place on our hearts with that truth, that you would allow us to think about it as we go from here for us to um, embrace that as we walk through this world. Lord, help us. Help us to serve you. Help us to follow after you. And may that land in our hearts so that we could grow in our faith through the things that you tell us to do. Lord Jesus, we'll be so quick to give you the glory. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.